niggas like, scud, man. Niggas connected like Boost Mobile. If you ain't solid, keep your tool on you. Hey, I ain't trying to link, I'm cool on you. Hold you, play the fool on you for a few hundreds. My lord, he told me that my time is near. Hey, bro, behind the ear, boy, I'm the pioneer. I'm sunny in the basement, get him out of here. I'm trying to fuck when you coming out that pride of wear. I want a bitch like Laura London with a lot of hair. She know that plug money shit, that's what got us here. I miss my nigga Pay Pay from the city slime. Real life, this ain't no motherfucking biggie line. Rap about me, hit him 50 times. Me and my Cougar bitch love doing 69s. Say the best rap in Charlotte over the city mine. You just that nigga in your city lines. Ayy. I need a bitch bad like Cassie. Money like Oprah, fucking on sight, get at me. This ain't no motherfucking stuntin' like your daddy. I'm on the way, what's the Addy? Ayy. I need a bitch dick like Trina. Money like Jackson and Mars, gotta be me. I'm trying to put a baby in to have you seen it. What up? Every time I drop something, she gon' pop something. It's like the holiday mom, enjoying cop something. Niggas not around like the cops coming. So you can stop with all that block fronting. Ayy, the game ain't changed, it's just no real niggas left. I can read a body language like a nigga deaf. Then I'm with a leap of faith to take a bigger step. Shorty house. I'ma play the game how it goes, son. Niggas miss us from the block, that was a close one. Niggas know who the motherfucking ghost, son. Lil Naughty from the O, son. Hey, I need a bitch bad like Cassie. Money like Oprah, fucking on sight, get at me. This ain't no motherfucking stuntin' like your daddy. I'm on the way, what's the Addy? Hey, I need a bitch dick like Trina. Money like Jackson and Mars, gotta be me. I'm trying to put a baby in the heavy scene. Myself to what I've created. I must apply myself to what I've 
sections Ain't no mic that I'm blessing It's a curse, it's a hex Just a desperate suggestion I've been hexed since my entrance All my earthly possessions No, this world ain't forgiven I forgive you Bitch, bitch, I'm sturdy, I'm stationed Zooming by you in rear view I survive when I'm able Yo, bitch, bitch, I'm broken Bless him. I ain't know for a minute Know I'm nothing, you know him I was burst in the briars Fill my wounds with the liquor All the cheating and lying Might come back to me someday I can't seem to forget it Bitch, I live in my head I admire my exit Nah, I ain't level-headed Swear to God I might break soon This the best shit I've written Bitch, you corny, I guessed it It's my choice to be flossing It's my choice to be flossing Use the rack and the moshpits Now it's corny, I lost it Bitch, you corny, I guessed it Burn your daily departed Bitch, my ride ain't no flexing Just accept that you stress it It's that raw inefficient Please don't talk in my sessions Bitch, I sleep with my grills and roll over for payments Getting pesos, my pesos I go get that paper I'm a supply I cannot fake it I never prosper And you'll never make it I'm a supply Myself to what I created I'm a supply Myself to what I created I'm a supply Myself to what I created I'm a supply Myself to what I created
Set up a place, I'm finna set up a play. All of my niggas a gang. For you, I can't say the same. For you ain't full of my brain. I see the tats in your face. Nigga, I knew you was fake. Nigga, I knew this was fake. I had to pay the way. I had to change the game. Some of these niggas knew better, but they still doing the same. Hunting around clipping the spread like the rain. Came for the hoes, but I love for the drink. Came for the game, but I left with the bang. My coat is leather, but sweater is baby. I'm late for the show, cause I'm blowing on dang. This is what I do when I do what I say, cause I'm front of the page, but I'm not in the state. Niggas be paying for plays and they paying for pussy, but shit that is all I'm gonna say. Damn bad hell all I have with the rain. But I always knew that she was finna change. Fuck up my face unless you was the bitch from the top of the page and you just found a place and you ready to lay. Bitch, I ain't all by my pesos. Ho, get your pace up. I'm trying to lay up. She Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Did they change how they like show the fucking Abbeys and Voice? This is fucking weird looking. <laughs> the music is playing, we're live. Uh, yo, buddy. Let me turn this down, let me turn this volume down. Um, hey everybody, welcome to the crowd. What's up? What is up? <laughs> that was know. an action. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, John. Um, yo, so everybody, welcome. Thank you for listening to Thug Crowd. Uh, this is episode 46, where we're talking about machine learning, attack and defense. Um, definitely a hot issue. We've talked about a lot uh, over the time that we've been doing our podcast, as well as in Discord and other places. Um, so we're definitely excited to have uh, Metis on here um, to be discussing all the ins and outs of this with us and his experiences. Um, or would you like us to refer to you as K Hodges or Metis? Um, the second one's fine, but thanks. Cool. Alrighty. So um, I guess uh, how's everybody doing this or today? How was your weekend? Did anyone do anything cool? Um, I'm starting the the job hunt process. <laughs> Hell yeah! So kind of cool. Uh, I did some uh, some some Java APK reversing for a thing, and it wasn't very fun. But um, 
it was interesting the difference like uh one of the differences that i ended up finding was between uh decompiling between different versions of java it was interesting so that was uh pain in the ass but i got through it <laughs> oh yeah uh, yeah. I played some CPF this weekend, did some hack the box. Oh, I haven't yeah. done it in a while. That was fun. Yeah, we had we did pretty well on uh, on hack the box this weekend. Yeah. yeah I'm glad um glad it's out there. I've uh, gotten rusty. I had one point because all my boxes were retired, so <laughs> <laughs> um good stuff though. Gotta keep it up just like all your uh, certs. Um yeah. Get the CPEs for your C L S S P. <laughs> yes. Also, Which what is this? Uh, what is this graphic we have here? Oh, um, it's just the uh, data, vague data that's <laughs> visualized. Pew, pew. Yeah, it looks nice. It's it looks like um, I don't know what it is actually. I just searched data science GIF, and this was like, <laughs> I'm very very uncreative. <laughs> by, the, by the time I get to the, the the selecting the GIF, I've lost all my creative energy, and it's just. I'm like, I, I literally will search cyber GIF on like, uh, <laughs> I'll download it or I'll search, uh, you know, I've even searched calming GIF and cool GIF. So it's a uh, trade secret. Cool uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to see what cool GIF looks like. That's an exploding slime that crashes your discord client. Excellent. Um, that's what cool.gif is. Um, and also, yeah, we do have sometimes anime gifts and uh, cat girls. So yes, um, oh yeah, CISSP googling cyber hacking gifts. <laughs> I liked uh, CISSP googling actually had a, a pretty good post that was um, tips on avoiding. I thought that was a nice touch. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess we can just get right into it because we, we have a lot of news. We have a pretty lit looking uh, show notes today with a, a lot of stuff in it to cover. So I guess we can jump right into it if anybody doesn't have anything to say before we go. Um, so yeah, um, the show notes, again, I'll just spam them again because I get lost in the chat. You guys see it, but there we go. And also uh, in voiceless voice where we're at, kaboom. Um, alrighty. So, um, and thanks everybody. Uh, shout us to uh, 0xc0000e9. You subscribe with Twitch Prime. Thank you. Um, alrighty. So, the uh, first story that we have here is well, I guess if we still had categories, I'd put it in the dystopian category. It's about the NYPD's new DNA dragnet. Um, so, the Description is the department is collecting and storing genetic information with virtually no rules to curb their use. So this is interesting because this, you know, there's the the NYPD is always on the forefront of scary dystopian um, ways to police people. And so they have been, uh, I guess, doing things like knocking on people's doors and collecting spit samples for their DNA and collecting DNA profiles of people and um, you know, asking them to prove that they didn't kill somebody. Um, but the issue is that there's not really any oversight over how they store any data about somebody whose DNA has been collected or anybody who's been a suspect um, because it is a new technology 
And so clearly, I, I would assume there's an S3 bucket somewhere that's just called NYPD DNA. And uh, if you guys search it, you can probably uh, get a bunch of DNA samples. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I think it's funny that uh, they were specific, there's specific targeting in this. Like they mention uh, areas of New York where it was happening and not just all of New York. or yeah. uh, And that certain people were excluded based on the profile as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely scary, scary DNA profiling. But at the same time, I could see in, in certain cases that DNA profiles would be able to be built so you could technically, I guess, if you found a DNA sample that you're trying to search for a match in, you would kind of know roughly what kind of person they were, I guess, based on their genetic characteristics. But at the same time, it just seems like a really ham-fisted and unethical way to try to put this on people because DNA evidence isn't an exact science and there can be matches that are found that are not actually the person. And um, it's definitely really yeah. scary to think that, oh, your DNA was caught you know, killing somebody. And it doesn't matter what your alibi is. If your DNA matches, that's precedence over other things. And um, it's definitely a really scary approach to law enforcement. Yeah, the, uh, the end result is also like Gadiger, right? Like Gadiger is the example of what happens when when uh, DNA goes. Wait, I don't know what this one is. Uh, the movie Gadiger. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, okay. Basically, like um, like certain people's DNA is uh is given preference over others for like jobs and social systems and and whatnot. And a guy actually fakes uh, all his tests by um, getting a guy who's in a wheelchair to do his, like, to get his, like, skin flakes and stuff like that. And he has to, like, vacuum, like, every skin cell off his, like, keyboard and then, like, put fake skin cells down to, like, fool the system. That, uh, it's, yeah, you, you should see the, if, if you're interested in, like, DNA dystopia, then, um, yeah, Gattaca <laughs> is a pretty, it's, like, actually, it's not one of those movies we study in, in high school, so. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that the NYPD has a pretty shady track record for stuff like this. Yeah, and the cops also like themselves aren't taking the DNA test. Yeah. Want to commit a crime? Become a cop. Yeah. <laughs> Taken like sometimes they'll take kids into the cop shop and they're like, "Hey kids, who wants to get fingerprinted?" Me, 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 me. Like you yeah, know, man. fingerprint an entire classroom of kids. Well, the problem with DNA too is right when you give your DNA, you're not just—it's not just you that's like has a profile built on you at that point in time. It's your extended family. Right. That's and, like uh, the whole twenty-three and Me, like all that, like there's uh, Ancestry.com and stuff like that. All these like databases of like find who you're related to. It's like just dox the shit out of yourself and everyone you've ever been related to. No problem. Like, don't give consent. Like, you're giving their consent as well. That's it, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the phrase, no take backsies, comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll just change my DNA. Yeah, it's a new 1Password extension. Very <laughs> <So, pretty> scary. <laughs> is there any information out there about, like, how expensive it is for them to do that? And, like, exactly what they're doing? Because it seems like they're almost like hashing the DNA and comparing it to crime scene stuff. I'd say that's probably the most cost-effective solution is something that is very 
um, almost like a lazy regex of sorts of DNA um, rather than a full detailed analysis of say 500 samples because it's not cheap to do a DNA analysis with a lab, proper lab. Um, that'd be, you know, $50,000 or so <laughs> to process that many samples, so. Because if um, you yeah. get the, if you take a sample that is not a full chain, like this is my basic understanding of DNA resequencing or whatever, where you take like a, a partial sample that you've retrieved from the field and then you have to put it in like the, um, the solution of, of enzymes or whatever. And then you need to basically heat it up and cool it down repeatedly to like specific temperatures for it to go ahead and resequence itself to get. Mm -hmm. And that takes like however many, not as short as it is on CSI Miami. <laughs> and then like <laughs> after that, like real, like more science happens and so on and so forth. Like, it's not like a, and then after that, I guess is the point where they go, right. Now let's take the output of all these hours of man, like all these man hours, like, um, you know, like work paying people to do science and run it through a database after. Mm -hmm. So I yeah, mean, it's yeah. definitely a bunch of, I, I feel like it's just too new of a technology to apply in the way that they want to apply it. And it's probably some weird marketing going on too, which we'll get into later. Um, but yo, uh, let's get to the next story here, um, which is pretty cool. We were talking about this before. Um, so Android phones uh, can be hacked just by looking at a PNG image. So we've been seeing a lot of funny uh, PNG or image parsing related bugs in different software lately. Um, this one seems pretty interesting. Um, basically, you it's a, it's a heap overflow um, in the PNG codec and the way that it gets rendered. Um, I've read a little bit of the diff uh, where it's basically something to do with the color chunk in the uh, PNG header, but I didn't get farther enough to sit and read all the Java, um, <laughs> which I'm not very familiar with about um, parsing PNG headers, but yeah, it's a null pointer issue, it seems, where you can um, write to the heap and control it through PNG. So um, I definitely, if you are interested in file parsing bugs and Android, um, I would definitely take a look at that because there's security advisories for it. It's pretty cool. Wasn't there also a Chrome one for image parsing? Um, yeah, we saw. Uh, on. I, I feel no, like I read something about that. What this week as well? Uh, might have been last week. Hmm. Yeah, I think I do remember seeing that, but I didn't. I don't have the story off the top of my head. I was, I was about to start looking for it, but I'm like, I'm not going to find it in Discord. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the the most uh, worrying thing about this is methods of delivery for a PNG uh, to be displayed. That's, I, I guess, the, the most worrying thing. Um, you know, if you're writing a quality exploit, it's going to be pretty damn silent. Like, you're not going to see much. But it, it does definitely remind me of um, the those uh, Windows PNG exploits yonder. They're exploited through um, the... Is it the desktop that I and I or the auto run? One of the two that you would put on a uh, like CD or on, on a USB stick and mm -hmm. it would set the image for the disk in Windows Explorer. And then, uh, yeah, when it attempts to display the image is when you're, uh, yeah, your attack is yeah. executed. These kind of bugs are, are really interesting because file formats are older um, and they might try to add things onto it. But I mean, GIFs have been around forever. Uh, same with PNGs and JPEGs and not going anywhere, so definitely cool stuff to look into. 
Yeah, I think these file formats as well, being so old and not, they don't change too much. Maybe there should be some more standardization in which libraries are used. Yeah, no, definitely. Because yeah. like there, those, those, uh, the core, like the new implementations of it are the same reasons that we see the issues like the Discord um, GIF bug that crashes the client. It's same thing. It's writing it, rolling your own. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough to do it in line. Tough to do it in you know writing it in, in your, and then packing it into Electron. <laughs> so good stuff. Um, all right, the next story that we have here is interesting too. This is China hacking uh, Norway, a Norwegian company Visma to steal clients' secrets. It's another example of the cloud hopper. Um, so it's basically like a large scale campaign by the uh, Chinese. Uh, intelligence that is attacking um, corporations for secrets on their on their companies. So software companies, things like that are being targeted as a way to do God knows what, sort of supply chain attacks and, and other things. Um, so yeah, this is definitely interesting. Hmm. So you, um, hmm? I was gonna say, I don't know if you have any uh, comments on this specifically. Oh yeah, it's just that uh, we seem to be seeing like more and more of these kind of things coming up lately, where yeah. service providers, MSPs, and all that kind of stuff. Like there's just the the Dell one. I guess that probably took place a while back, but also it's worth noting it says uh, the attack was detected shortly after hackers accessed Visma systems, and he said. He was confident that no client networks were accessed. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know about that. Yeah. Very <laughs> assuring. You know that Baghdad Bob picture? Like, can we flash that? Um, I don't have that now. Yeah. Yeah, using uh, access, first access. Is systems instead of stolen login credentials. <laughs> so um, they believe that APT10 uh, is specifically responsible for the case. Um, does anyone know like what else APT10 specifically have been involved with, or is it just uh, just yeah. another unnamed APT? Nux just, Nux just something in the chat there. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff is basically trying to attack, um, you know, cloud managed services, like anybody who's part of managing critical infrastructure that other companies use. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a good strategy, <laughs> but it's scary when you think about who is actually being targeted, which might be some, you know, uh, first year help desk person that might be getting, you know, co-opted into doing something that they shouldn't be doing um there's a lot of things like that so i definitely i'm uh keep an eye out so yeah. apt 10 cloud hopper menu pass stone panda and uh potassium all great code names potassium potassium you need more potassium <laughs> in your diet <laughs> i think uh, the best infosec job is the one where you can just name all of these groups Yes, <laughs> absolutely. 
Dude, the naming convention shit gets so confusing for people that aren't into this because like it just differs between companies and like yeah. they they have like subgroups so like next you'll have the list. Hey, what were we saying next? Oh, I was just saying they have like subgroups like um for example you'll have like um Zebraki or I can't really I don't know how to say that word uh Zebracry or something like that um <clears throat> That's actually APT28. Like they will have like subgroups of like actual APT groups because it's just a certain type of activity. Yeah. So like they're typically like the ICS stuff would be like that would yeah. go into all that. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to keep track of um, for the nation state stuff. And I keep seeing new and new and different stuff, but it's all kind of it eventually gets traced back to the same kinds of people. Um, so yeah. Um I think Yo, if we so had that's... a uh, if we if we had our uh, little APT group and and they gave us a name, I hope that it would be like pork chop sandwiches. That's what yes. I wanted to be called. Yeah. Um, Yo, the next uh, thing that we have on here, we we're just talking about. This is the Docker Run C flaw um, that opens the door to a doomsday scenario, as uh, is being put here. Security affairs. Um, I was reading though the Secless advisory, and um, so this is. Apparently, it was written by one of the maintainers of Run C, and um, they had a vulnerability reported to them about um, the ability to overwrite the Runc binary and Docker and allow a malicious container to have the ability to um, have root privileges on the host system. And so, it's a pretty scary bug, um, and the actual POC exploit code is going to be released next Monday. So <laughs> keep your eye out for that. And if you are somebody who maintains containers in any capacity, um, make sure you do any and all updates and patches that come out in the week until then. Um, so the other thing is that uh, this specific bug uh, wasn't protected by App Armor. Yes. Um, and I'm just trying to have a quick look to see on this Red Hat post if it's protected by SE Linux as well. Yeah, it's saying that it wasn't, it wouldn't apply to it because the actual um, process that it's running in is in a container runtime process. So it's not spawning something new. It's it's running in the same context as the Docker container itself. And yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, no. Lol. It's a. Uh... I mean, container adoption has been so huge, like, but I'm always weary of it. Like, I feel like it's it's really cool, but I don't know if it's always necessary. Interestingly enough, I think that um, DCOS is actually already patched against this. Um, really? Yeah, they um, released a... Uh, a big security patch i think earlier this year and it mm -hmm. um i believe covers this as far as i know about this uh cve that's cool um yeah i mean it, i i don't know how i have to read more about the implementation of this because i don't know too much about the actual Docker container runtime but now i'm interested so yeah if anybody yeah. sees any exploits come out before then let us know 
So one of the interesting things that this took advantage of as well was uh, we mentioned like um, when we we're talking earlier that that Proxel exe as well to uh, mm-hmm. for where like where the binary is pointing to as well, which is interesting because like there was like lots of there's there's lots of interesting things in Proc um, like Proc self like you know we used to see Proc self environ getting uh, used in a lot of web exploits and things like that because there's just yeah. different ways to access. Uh, things about the process that is currently running that you have access to because you are the process. Like it, mm-hmm. when looking for things uh, to use when you, when you found a vulnerability, it's like a good place to look into proc self. Absolutely. Um, but yo, uh, the next story that we have here, is about an evil USB cable that can remotely accept commands from a hacker. And it seems like we have that evil hacker in the chat right now. <laughs> What? Uh, what's up? <laughs> hey, MG, what's up? What's up? <laughs> um, yeah, we were. Uh, so your your cable has been blown up. This is in PC Mag. <laughs> PC Mag. Ooh, PC Mag. That's yeah, crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, hopefully they uh, do. They still publish a physical copy. I want to get it if they do. Oh um, shit! I didn't even think about that. That'd be fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, do you want do you want to tell us a little bit about your evil USB cable? You yeah, sure. There's a couple interesting angles on it. Um, the first is that basically created this implant entirely on. Well, I, I bought the mill used for a little under a thousand dollars, so this was entirely done. You know, my garage or kitchen uh, on a mill that's you know consumer grade and for those not familiar with desktop mills pretty much on par with um kind of like a 3d printer but instead of just throwing out um plastic we're just using a tiny drill tip on it um to cut things out with a uh, computerized control um rigging mechanism much like you have on a a 3d printer so very very low cost uh, consumer type here um, and then, yeah, in terms of the uh, implant itself, it's just made really tiny, roughly 10 square centimeters. Actually, no, it's probably half its but I think it's 10 by 8 centimeters or uh, millimeters. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, nice and tiny, uh, fits inside a USB cable, and um, it has a wireless interface that you can connect to uh, remotely. So, once the victim has plugged this in, um, you as the attacker uh, can remotely connect to it so that not only can you just trigger stuff, uh, you can push new payloads to it. Uh, You can also flash new firmware onto this thing without ever having to go and touch it. Um, There's uh, exactly right. And you know, the demo and the easy, you know, what you saw in the demo was just HID. So yeah, we're simulating. Thing keeps winding up. It'll do mouse too. Uh, and the thing I, you know, have been kind of telling press, uh, who's uh, not up to speed on the HID stuff, is you know it's been around for quite a while, and everybody always asks, well, it doesn't work in a lock screen, right? I'm like, well, depends what you mean. I mean, a keyboard and mouse still work at your lock screen. What can you do? Um, you know, so if you've got your uh, password, of course, you can type that in. But uh, the more interesting thing people don't think about in that scenario is that, hey, um, are you considering your lock screen uh, practice? Is this something you have set up on a timer of inactivity and you're relying on that or are you manually locking the computer because I can simulate activity now. So it's just basic stuff with HID, right? Uh, it's all mm-hmm. bit banged. 
Uh, so in theory, it doesn't have to just be uh, HID. So it will be fun to chase other bit banged uh, USB gadgets of sorts, whether that may be a uh, simulated network interface or you know, whatever. So uh, it's, a, it's a little chip and we're, we're pushing pretty hard to see you know, how much it can do. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, and uh, I don't know, what else? What else am I missing? That would be pretty interesting to pair it up with uh, if we do see in the future uh, firmware bugs or like uh, bugs with the, the host controller for you know, USB. Oh yeah, screen. definitely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're bit banging it, you know, you just rad payload for that. Yeah, exactly, yep. right? Like that would be fun. Um, oh yeah, I guess since it does have wireless, this specific hardware, I've, I've pushed firmware onto it in which uh, you just run DAUTH, whether it's just hitting everything it sees or <laughs> you can target it. So, you know, uh, what does that look like? Uh, obviously a lot of DAUTHs are meant to be attacker deployed for various reasons, but I don't know, you probably think of some fun things that uh, are possible only because a victim brought this hardware into a space that maybe you couldn't bring it or they're not suspecting it. Security cameras, things like that. Maybe just causing general chaos by just, you know, handing out a few dozen of these into an office workspace. And then you've created a nice loud diversion for something a little more uh, skillful <laughs> uh, happening <laughs> in the background while, you know, the chaos unfolds. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of fun stuff, right? Yeah, that's, this is, so we've been watching you, for everybody who's listening, we've been watching MG do this stuff for a, the whole time that we've been here, so before we even started the show, and he's just, every time you come on, you've literally just shown us cooler and cooler shit, and it's amazing. Um, like, the fact that you've got this all working now into something that's so small and so evil, it's just incredible. It brings a tear <laughs> to my eye, so. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll keep doing keep it. Doing. So uh, how long do you think it's going to be before we start seeing evil Uber driver attacks where people drive around with That'd these things? Fun. That'd be fun. I mean, <laughs> in theory, so, you know, there's a lot of attacks out there that are, you know, one click or something like that. And I, there's, there's so many uh, general hygiene things we've taught people of don't click it and you're cool that, I mean, well, here, here's your one click scenario, right? Like that. That's it. You know, if you've got a one click, uh, this this turns it into a, theoretically a zero, uh, as long as you know when to deploy. Um, much more targeted, of course. But another thing that I've uh, been looking at certain, I guess we'll, we'll just call them one click payloads that give long term persistence, uh, more than just what you're you've seen on stages, for instance. <laughs> um, that that would be very interesting to pair with this. So, uh, I mean. How about like scenarios where there's like a tr like if there's already a trusted um, like USB device because if you if you're bit banging and you're already uh, emulating a different USB device and you can push new payloads you could just iterate through until you find you know a, a machine's ID like I don't know how big the key space is but like oh find, yeah that's true yeah you could find a machine potentially that's already accepted it and the way you go i don't have yeah, no idea how yeah. long it'll take that could be totally like unfeasible i'm just thinking uh, i mean uh it's an interesting approach there's yeah there's a lot in terms of people who have the usb lockdown um even if you just after the fact figure out what they're on um and you've they've already had that cable yeah you can push push new uh firmware up to it and kind of another thing that comes up is hey what's the range on it actually don't 
entirely know. I think, you know, I made it like two house lengths away and, um, and it was still working, but uh, you can, it's, it's Wi-Fi, so you can mesh chain it or maybe stick a mobile hotspot nearby so you can do this on the other side of the world. You know, the sky's the limit. There's, there's a whole lot of things and these are very basic kind of standard things. Any red team kind of, they've been using these techniques in general, so. How much uh, storage do you have on the device? Like, how big can you make your payloads? Um, still working that out because uh, the web front end could be in, you know, uh, we've been playing around, I think it started around like 50K and we're playing around with like a 400K uh, web front end. But um, <laughs> in the current form, we got about a meg for everything uh, that the, the chip itself can be extended. Uh, if needed, of course, you need the physical space for that, which might not be too hard. Um, but uh, there's a few other potential features that I've been looking at uh, along those lines if we're talking about extending it, which includes, you know, there are multiple GPIO uh, ports on this thing. So we can use them for physical triggers, whether that's, you know, self-destruct or whatever the hell it may be. <laughs> we, we could put, uh, well, exactly, right? Uh, we, we could put... Um, a pair on each end of the cable so you can attack from either side. Uh, interesting things like that, right? And do that dynamically. That's nice. What about, uh, like, how much how much processing power can you expect out of this, uh, this heavy bag? Yeah, so that's the key, is this chip is basically intended mostly for just doing the Wi-Fi, right? So in uh, things that are timing sensitive, like HID, even in certain uh, situations, you got to kind of consider the potential delays that pop up and, you know, de deal with buffering and just, just accounting for that. So it's pretty lean. Uh, I actually don't remember the exact specs, but. Cool. We're, we're pushing awesome. this. Darren, this is a question for you. Yeah. On a quick tangent. One of the you things I think is really powerful about this. Yeah. Oh, oh, two of you were talking at the same time. Okay, shoot. Okay. MG, how oh. mad will you be if we call this your Wi-Fi cable? I mean, I think it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Nice. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks so much for sharing this with us. We can't wait to see, you know, what happens moving forward. Yeah, totally. Definitely bringing bringing down, like when we were you were talking about this like over a year ago, and this is like yeah. dreaming about about making something that was as badass as some like NSA ant catalog hardware and you just like Hell yeah <laughs> it's so yeah. funny I mean I, I basically pick these ideas up when I whenever I get some free time and honestly I had about a month in between jobs intentionally to focus on projects. So that's kinda where this iteration came from. And I always gotta throw some yeah. fun constraint in there. And this this time it was like I'm gonna do this but I'm gonna do it entirely at home on like really cheap kit. Uh, and honestly, part of that was also just to force myself to learn things like uh, learning how to use legitimate PCB creation software, which I haven't really done before, you know, going, going through the milling process. And the, the cool thing about the mill is I could create a design and kick it out of, of the mill. Generally, you can do this in about an hour and figure out whether it actually fails or not. Um, you can't do that with even the fastest turnaround shops, which, you know, like a day or two to get them in your hands yeah. so that that was cool i get i went through a couple dozen different failures just to figure things out and uh it was it was fun so um, awesome. a question you might not want to answer uh yeah. well, people are probably going to buy these and pull them apart anyway just to try and oh, yeah okay 
so in this, are you using like the origami circuit, like the foldable circuits, or is this all just on a PCB? No, this is this is just a uh, two-sided PCB. So nice. uh, I'm I, you, that's absolutely an escalation of this process. And you know, if we're going to go that route, what more can we do if we're going to you know, extend the board space effectively? to you know three times that are just multiple layers effectively is what the the origami setup is and yeah that, that could be a lot of fun and in terms of revealing you know the contents and everything like that um honestly right now uh, just developing it a little bit further so that it can become something that's actually worth putting out there and i i do intend on just making as much as possible open to the world like uh, i'm not doing this to, to profit or anything i just it's a fun experiment and it would be fun to get into a bunch of people's hands uh and the easiest way to do that seems to be selling it and hopefully for as you know cheap as i as i can nice that's amazing hell yeah dude well thanks Good um, times. oh so hold on uh last question do you so you plan on on selling this or you have i wasn't sure what you had had for for sale yeah um i mean it's not baked in or anything and i literally i'm on day two of my new job so yeah i kind of shifted it <laughs> around my available uh timing and stuff like that but yeah. um my my intent right now is to chase a couple of different options for getting these made in ways that make it easy to put out there whether i'm you know handing these out at cons or whatever but uh there's a couple of platforms that seem interested in handling uh sales and shipping fulfillment which i do not want to touch like that's that that's yeah. not fun um and it just yeah. takes time away especially if i'm not planning on profiting from these um but yeah <laughs> I, I think that's kind of the route i'm gonna go is get those out there so that other people can pick them up whether they're you know the completed cables or maybe little kits because there's some interesting SCC questions about a you know RF transmitting device. So uh, yeah, a couple of logistical things when you go from DIY hobby stuff to actually you need to put these out to the public. So we'll see what happens there. More learning for me, right? Absolutely. Hell yeah, uh, dude. Yeah. Godspeed. Uh -huh. um, we yeah. should uh, we have a bit more news to to cover, so we should uh, get into yeah into that. before we. But yeah, we definitely we'll have a we'll have a full day, a full episode one time on on uh, adversarial hardware, uh, yeah. which would be awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah! So uh, next news story, which is way less interesting now, is the new critical vulnerability discovered in a bunch of open office or uh, open source office suites. So some people were doing um, some testing. There's a couple of bugs that have been um, published, and they affect LibreOffice. So if you guys listen to um, RMS or anybody else who told you that you should download it, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is an issue. Um, I guess. Can I just say? I was gonna say, like, fucking surprise, like. Right. <laughs> the, um, I don't know. It is. It is interesting though because it from this this CV specifically, you can craft a document um, that would execute a Python um, script um, from any arbitrary file system location. Um, and yeah, it's basically like you're able to do, uh, you know, code execution and just traverse the paths to get to where you want to go. Um, Wait, but if you're doing, so this is the internal Python. Okay. So you shouldn't really need to execute a script. You should be able to just do some like leak one liner with that as well. Just like pass it to the Python interpreter is what I'm, if, if I'm looking at this right. Yeah, 
that's that's even double funny like you don't need to write like something that will get you know potentially picked up when when the file is written to the system or whatever <laughs> no um i definitely know if you if you do use these i have used these in the past i've used open off their LibreOffice um update because people are going to start doing weird stuff with it and it's going to get weirder um just like i feel like worried in every other place yeah i feel like this is the point where we sort of say you know maybe google docs isn't so bad or maybe heaven forbid office 365 at least it's not you know they've got to exploit your browser at that point so yeah yeah i kind of wanted to just uh throw out there too like um for uh especially for like fsf stuff like um LibreOffice, there's not a lot of security people in those communities um and and so you know as much as that sucks like there's a lot of opportunities for um you, you know people in our community to start contributing to those projects absolutely that's a really good point there's a lot of awesome open source stuff same with the linux kernel there's a lot of people that do that as well but there are big open source projects like as we saw with uh, libssh that are run by like a couple of people and they have to triage everything and they have day jobs and other things to do as well and it's difficult to to really manage something like this on the scale that it, their products eventually get used on. So yeah, if you uh, are interested in helping out with that kind of thing, definitely go get involved, do a pull request. Um, also find vulnerabilities, hell yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, the next story we have here, uh, big surprise, a bunch of iPhone apps are secretly recording your screen without asking. Um, and apparently Abercrombie and Fitch, Hotels.com, Singapore Airlines, um, a couple other people use uh, a customer experience analytics firm, uh, which sounds shady as hell, um, where they use session replay technology in their apps, but allow people to record the screen and play it back to see exactly how the users interacted with the app and figure out if something didn't work. But that, <laughs> as you know, is uh, anybody who has access to you typing in your credit card into uh you know, a web app or a, a, an app to, um, you know, sign up for something or buy plane tickets or whatever. Um, yeah, you don't want that at all. It's pretty um, interesting. Like, there's a lot of UX, UX uh, software out there for, like, web apps where you install, like, you, by install, I mean, sorry, you, you copy and paste one line of JavaScript with an API key and it will track a user's session, how long they stay on the page, where they go, where their mouse is, and it will create like heat, heat maps and stuff, like where a user's mouse is and stuff. Um, and I think that's that's basically what we're seeing is like these analytics that are trying to tell you that like, hey, your UX, your, sorry, your UX is being used as intended and, and the customers seem to be able to figure out the app quickly and all that stuff, which from a, a purely UX, perspective ui ux like use like feel, look and feel type thing that's all good but the further implications of tracking all that data i don't think these two groups are putting like two and two together here that you're also tracking all this other stuff that's actually sensitive um yeah you might want the information but maybe add it to a testing group and have your like little test group that you've selected like you know 50 people to come in and use your app for a week or something you know yeah, um, not, there's a lot of like this. Yeah, stuff like this gets rolled out where it seems like this would literally be for a focus group for studying, you know, doing like 
like having like a, a control group and a, and a focus group to see like okay does this affect the user experience you know do people think this is creepy instead of just like oh just backdoor everything and yeah just put uh you know i'm surprised somebody hasn't found the screenshot somewhere because there's been places like that where um what was it which which sketchy stalkerware app had a open directory somewhere where you could look at all the screen recording sessions, including the ones of the devs with their API keys on their phones when they were testing it. Like, wow. yeah, it it definitely gets uh, out of control really quickly. And so, if you are a software or UX person, please find other ways to, to track user experience and journey testing rather than uh, just uh, straight up screen recording all of them because it's uh, definitely a way to lose trust. Or people just don't give a shit. Just keep it'd be pretty funny. It'd be pretty funny to see like these recorded sessions just like push to an S3 bucket and then they like take that S3 bucket and um pump it into like selenium or something, right? And then <laughs> you just like start pushing your own like weird stuff into that bucket. Um and, and <laughs> push your oh, like this is like supply chain attack, please get me. I do know <laughs> that um a lot of analytics are used invention too so if you um note like see a user who's like acting fraudulently like you can sometimes you know some companies some startups pick up on habits that are often used by fraudsters uh whether it be like an abnormal number of clicks or mouse movement or that kind of stuff so sometimes that also goes into um like fraud prevention and user profiling yeah, I think um, like straight mouse movements, for example. So like if your mouse moves directly from, you know, like one uh, location on the screen to another without any sort of like uh, curve, it's just like a straight line between two points. Like that's a pretty clear indication that it's not a human. Like show me one human that can perfectly move a mouse in a straight line. Yeah, absolutely. Um no, definitely sketchy as hell, and uh, yeah, screw with them if you find that. Um, the next one that we have on here is pretty cool, too. Um, Swiss government is offering a reward for hacking its electronics vote system. So this, uh, you can sign up at onlinevote-pit.ch. Um, so you can try to manipulate the vote count, read votes cast, uh, violate voting secrecy, or bypass other security measures. Um, and the single uh, British or single biggest prize is uh, fifty thousand Swiss francs, which I didn't know they used francs still. Um, but yeah, it's a good amount of money for hacking them. They're a bug bunny. It's interesting. Uh, I guess Switzerland, since World War Two, has been like well before World War was World War One. They like the the bank of the, was the whole point of the Swiss bank account. Uh, the fact they're not on the euros, but it's the whole election, like like voting stuff, is um, it's horrible. Like nobody has found a good solution to this yet. Like all of the voting, every single time we talk about voting, it's broken as hell. So, I, while I think bug bounties in this program like might help, the problem is more really electronic voting. Like the whole yeah uh, yeah you know abstracting it back to electronic voting like that's kind of the problem not the specific software or the hardware or the implementation so also is the uh, russian government eligible for this bug bounty <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um Those boys yeah, are fancy I mean, there, you know. 
Check payable um, to Fancy Bear Incorporated. <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody wants to get, get down on it, though, I definitely want to check it out and see what you could do. Um, see what the scope is and everything. But pretty interesting, though, I guess, as an approach to be that transparent about it instead of, like, other companies that will give you cease and desists or assault you at a con. Um, so good on them. Um, the next one that we have here um, is also – or. Also, something that is <laughs> just another uh, LOL fail. Um, so this is internet-connected industrial refrigerators can be remotely defrosted uh, thanks to default passwords. So there's a showdown safari here where somebody found a bunch of refrigerators, industrial refrigerators that you could just kind of control remotely. And yeah, it's... <laughs> like a Jin Yang. Hmm? <laughs> Uh, from Silicon Valley, the uh, yeah, Gilfoil hacks the fridge and he puts a message on that. It's pretty good. Oh, I've never seen that show. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, it's good. But the uh, yeah, this is just another example of things that uh, yeah, just please stop putting stuff on the internet with default passwords or no password at all. Um, but I can check my Twitter on my fridge. <laughs> well, I think well, these are about doing Twitter, this is about remotely managing fleets of giant industrial fridges, which would make sense. You know, internet-connected things, fine. Internet, fine. Firewalls, VPN tunnels, fine. Just open on the internet with no password. <laughs> and a but, web app to do it, too, is just bad. So I think that the thing is that, like, um, if you take, if you took this away from uh, produce, like like fridges for produce, and you started looking at in environmental control systems for like data centers and, and stuff like that, mm -hmm. they're sort of a little bit ahead of the curve. And I feel like it's sort of the same industry. Like it's like refrigeration being mm -hmm. the, um, being the industry. So like putting maybe if these companies that are uh, trying to build like, you know, food freezers, walk-in freezers and, and stuff like that, maybe if they start looking towards like other areas of refrigeration, um, yeah, like there was actually, I don't know, I was having a look at a, uh, a refrigeration uh, design app that helps you design um, like, I don't know, cooling and heating, heating and cooling systems. And like the quality of the software was like very low. It looked like it was written by like a 13 year old kid that was like someone's son, like, oh, my son can write programs. Like, Ooh. you know, so I, <laughs> that's not always the best thing. Like maybe- Refrigeration um, and scratch. <laughs> yeah exactly like maybe you should kind of look at where they're doing it correctly which i hope they're doing it correctly in most like environmental control for like dcs and whatnot like water pressure and like water cooled systems and things like that but i don't, I don't know yeah yeah um there's definitely a lot of work to be done in this for any industrial controllers plcs things like that so um but yeah definitely interesting though um, this one is something that I've been trying to wrap my head around for a bit. The next one it's Russia is going to disconnect from the internet as part of a planned test where they're basically going to try to have their own intranet and filter all traffic and reroute it back to Russia. And this involves reconfiguring every ISP to have all internal Russian traffic just be, um, a thing that'll just be redirected into like whatever Russian data centers they have 
Um, apparently, they've built their own local backup of uh, DNS, which is the thing that everybody suggests you do. And I'm like surprised they actually did it. Um, yeah, this is really weird. I don't know if anybody has heard any more about this or understands why they're doing it. Yeah, um, they're doing it essentially as a as a kill switch, just so that way, if if they come under attack, um, either over the wire or in general, I would imagine they'll just pull the plug. I mean, at least that's the idea. Like they know they're going to get retaliation. I think it's interesting that Yandex is supportive of it. Like from what I understand, like Yandex being the like the the Russian, um, it, like all the smart Russian people end up working at Yandex. Like you know, so it's, it's interesting that like someone that large would be like, oh yeah, this is totally cool. But I suppose from a business perspective, it gives them like better ways to index and things uh and like redirect to russian only services where i guess they could they have more control more profit i suppose yeah it just it seems like counterintuitive towards what the internet is about i mean I'm, yeah i don't know very china-esque yeah but i mean even china hasn't done exactly this there's still access to some stuff it, it's just weird that they would redirect try to redirect as much stuff as possible um, back into Russia. They wanted to do 95% of all energy traffic. I mean, the intention of that is, I believe, solely just so that they don't experience issues with routing internal to the country once they pull the plug, so to speak. So, I mean, it's not... It would be speculatory to state otherwise unless there's anything out there that proves or disproves that theory. I mean, it's kind of a necessity, though, right? If you're going to pull the plug from the rest of the world, you have to be able to route everything internally or it's all just going to go nowhere. Yeah, I feel like this could, you know, like based on what we saw with uh, the the attempting to block Telegram, I would say that lots uh, of data was gathered during that that is potentially being used here uh, to sort of gauge like what what actually happens when we try and start cutting off large chunks of the internet because like we saw people couldn't access all kinds of like things because they were domain fronted, um, Mm -hmm. like domain fronting Telegram. So considering how poorly that went they obviously got a lot of data but i don't think that the first few tests at least of this are going to go very well at all i can see uh i i'm speculating we're going to see like a lot of um, news articles come out with like failed tests yeah i mean if that news makes it out what is this like it's like every time someone's tried to block like amazon from their life or network or whatever and it just goes super super poorly my or something just like yeah. any major cdn it's like all right well there it goes yeah there's a, an article someone wrote about trying to go amazon free for like a month that's a pro- like experiment like, i just can't like you can't use the internet like it's it's <laughs> actually impossible yeah like doing google free or something as well like this is some giants that you can't avoid yeah I, mean, I can get LinkedIn free for my whole life. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> um, uh, yo, so uh, the next one was a bit of a, a something to wrap our head around too. Um, the next story. This was interesting article by the MIT Technology uh, Review called "How Quantum Terrorists Could Bring Down the Future Internet," which is the most cyber thing I've ever heard. Oh um, shit! Yeah, that's pretty fucking so, hardcore. 
<laughs> so this this is actually really interesting though i guess from an implementation perspective we, the the model that they're using or describing for data transfer on a quantum-based internet would be by transferring data through quantum entanglement um which would be i mean i'm not wouldn't be that good at explaining quantum entanglement but it's basically like data or like particles that are linked like across infinite distances that are able to be have their data like mirrored basically so you'd be able yeah. to just instantaneously transfer data pretty cool concept um but then they also describe what's i guess i could describe as well the mix of like cash poisoning and like a 51 percent attack on like a crypto exchange where a group of small group of people could theoretically take over the uh the the existing pool of uh quantum i guess particles that are being uh use to transfer data and poisoning that data in a way that would mess with the communications overall. And apparently it would only take a small amount of people to do something like this. Um, this is a huge esoteric thing, but I put it in here because I thought it was interesting. And if anybody had any thoughts on it. I think one of the things uh, like the 51% uh, type uh, perspective on that is is solely because the the group is so small like that's that's the key like whenever you with in, in crypto mm -hmm. land like 51 percent, the smaller the the pool is like it's always easier so yeah i mean and the initial ideas between like uh quantum routing and, and using it as a transport is totally not going to be the thing that like people at home use or whatever like not not anytime soon like it's not replacing like fiber cables and stuff with like quantum routing um i think the, a lot of these attacks while well, they're really interesting now um and it's really cool to read about i'm not sure how like yeah like I, i've seen oh, man i wish Didi would join the voice and talk about this instead but there's um uh like certain countries have already implemented um links like test links using uh satellites and and stuff like that to to transfer data over like quantum measures so the most interesting thing i found about this article is like mit technology review is a somewhat respected publication and archive right this is an academic paper and like they titled their academic paper "Quantum Terrorism." Like, how how hype can you get? <laughs> I I think it's yeah. ridiculous. It's nearing like could be uh, generated by some like like shit post bot. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's nearing, no, it's it's nearing that territory. But I would definitely describe it as I guess terrorism. I mean, the same thing as if you're trying to poison data sets for network i mean that's that's pretty heavy you know if you're yeah, doing that and you're like BGP routing. yeah like if you're doing bgp routing if you're doing like poisoning on like an like you know an ix like uh an interchange, inter exchange router like stuff like that i mean that's definitely nation state level stuff this isn't but this is something that supposedly with this model you could do from the comfort of your own home so seems yeah. pretty interesting it's like, the first thing I want to get on is like I'm, I'm gonna need me a quantum nick because I have no idea how to access any of <laughs> Yeah, and we were talking about like layers of abstraction earlier. It's like this is another one of those things. Like the fewer people understand something, like the fewer people there are to secure that thing. 
and uh, where shit gets really, really, really uh, interesting. We were talking about earlier, like um, how. You know, we're talking about like uh, how implementation is always going to be like uh, a weak point. And so it's, no matter how good the technology is, like if whatever you have on either end is bad, then everything is bad. Yeah. So they like build these like crazy, uh, you know, things that are like inspecting photons and like doing the quantum encryption for like, uh, like if particles have been observed. But then it's like if the message gets through, you just like you know bit bang the the firmware, and it's all like... yeah. <laughs> hey, Q, uh, Q bang. Sorry. Before we uh before we go on to the interview, um, Coldwater, are you here? Oh wait, never mind. She's says her current mic is broken. Never mind. <laughs> um, no worries. Um, next week when we come back, um, we'll try to get Ian to talk to us about the Doctor Container Escape because she's apparently been um, playing with it and it's awesome. So I'm excited to hear about it when we have the chance to. So tune in next week and we'll discuss the uh, ins and out when hopefully we get to play with it as well. Um, but it's almost 10.30 here. Um, I guess quickly, uh, <laughs> the last thing on here um, was the Adobe Reader uh, patch stops malicious PDFs from basically calling home through um, network. So rip to everybody's uh pdf payloads <laughs> and then uh, um hmm? should we paste this this uh docker escape poc into uh the stream chat just coming in oh yeah let's do that drop in zero um, days here we go it's like like, um, a, like a three day by now but yeah it's um, <laughs> it five yeah. hours Take a look at that. We'll we'll definitely play with this. Um, like, this has only been out for five hours, so cool. Um, cloning this right now in case the whoever. Hold on, I'm just gonna it. spin up a voiceless voice uh, Docker container. What's that gonna? Oh hell yeah, dude! Do it. Um, hold on, I'm actually trying to clone this right now too. We can clone this and play with it literally. Here we go. Chat. Um, uh oh, can we not install anything? All right, we'll we'll figure this out. In a um, so yeah, the last thing that we have on here, um, or all the stuff that we have on here, sorry, the news is also worth reading. It came out um, from people and a lot of POCs haven't got a chance. To, um, or shown us. There's a lot of awesome stuff. Of um exploits POCs write-ups so definitely check um so yeah cool uh, okay uh, you're probably in the middle lag you but we're all good yeah oh am i lagging yeah your voice is crap i'm sorry i was i was just saying read all the cool so you were saying uh read all the cool stories in our show notes there's some cheat codes yeah. and all other cool stuff at the bottom there and uh, yeah, that's the stuff that we have been talking about this week, but we don't have time to talk about on the show. <laughs> um, hell yeah. So, uh, hold on. Am I still breaking up? 
Yes. Very much is. One second. Sorry. He's still trying to make it into the second. <laughs> you lagged out when you said that too. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna quickly, I'm just gonna quickly change the region of the server, and we'll do this again. Oh boy. Let's try this again. Hello. Hello. Hi. Tank. Come oh. tank. Very much better. Awesome. Operator. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but um, yeah, I probably look at the wrong PNG on my phone. Did um, uh, Didi just joined? Do we want to talk quickly about like quantum stuff again, like really quickly? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna try to set up uh, the Docker container escape in this bot. Hello, hello, so, uh, hello, hello, uh, comrade. Tell us about this uh, quantum terrorist bringing down the future internet. Can someone say something? Oh, there we go. Okay. I just I, I just didn't know if uh, it kind of lagged out and I restarted Discord and I didn't know if it was broken or not. I restarted Yo. it too. Does mine work now? Yeah. Sweet. Yo. Hi. <laughs> Wait, so one CIA, DD. Yeah. Are we discussing quantum today, right now? I, I don't know. Sure. Hey, anything, you wanna, anything you want to say about it? Well, I'm a physicist, so I, I worked on that stuff for a long time. Uh, and so, like, the article that we're talking about was uh, I linked through here where uh, the, it's, it's um, talking about different attacks on, on quant the, the new internet, uh, or the future internet that will be, be quantum-based. Did you have anything on that article? Well... I mean, everything is encrypted. All the information is encrypted, but it's transmitted through the internet. And when you can easily, when you can decrypt that easily with a quantum computer, that's a big problem. Um, so when you just look back, for example, to World War II, one of the most decisive factors for the Germans to lose was, was the cracking of the Enigma code with that Enigma machine. I don't know whether you remember that. Yeah, so yeah. the most yep. most famous mathematicians of the of the time, Turing and that Polish dude and a bunch of others, they they were coming together in England and in other places to crack that code. So that was very essential to win the World War II against the Germans, the the submarine campaign, because that that was very efficient. And when you knew where the submarines were heading, you could just wait and take them out. So that was very efficient. And the Germans had no clue for a long time that this was happening. So, so you could see that mathematics solved a big problem in, in a world war. And, and that could <clears throat> very well be for the next world war when we look at like World War Three or so with China. I mean, you see there's a conflict with China brewing in the South China Sea. And same scenario, you know, we, we have submarines and, and boats and traffic 
trade going from China to all over the world, you know, so that that is it's a, it's a very likely scenario that something happens in that region. And um, when you look at communication between like the US headquarters and, and the boat or submarine in, in that area, you have to you have to communicate with them. And that communication is encrypted. And when you can crack that easily with a quantum computer, then then you have a problem. Or when you can just paralyze the computers or the internet because you can crack all the encryption easily and quickly and efficiently, um, then you have a very big problem. You know, all our communication is via satellites and cables and internet. If that doesn't work, I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical. Um, if you look at all the quantum computing research. Um, you know, you've got the computers. What, what's, a, what's the biggest number they can factor at the moment? It's like 200,000. Um, they've got to cool these supercomputers to, or these quantum computers to like 273 point something Kelvin minus. Um, and they can only do it for a couple of milliseconds. Like it takes, a, it's a, an extreme expensive cost and they can only run it for, you know, not even a second. To factor something like let's say um, a PGP key, it's going to take, I think it's like 17 weeks of constant constant work. Um, I don't think we'll get there. Probably probably the next five five hundred to a thousand years we might get there. Ah, no 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 no, you live in the past. Yeah, I mean these mini. <laughs> I, I I kind of fall in between you guys. I think I don't I don't think we're super far off from that. But I don't I don't. No, think you live in the past. I mean, I, this this like with the milli Kelvin. That's a traditional concept we have with we have with quantum computers, and and that is old. You know, this is that that's the problem to get it very cold, and then you have to shield it. Like there's like 10, 20 shieldings around that computer. And it's very, very sensitive and very expensive. And it's, I mean, it's a pain in the ass. But that's a long time ago. I mean, these are, that's what you no, see. No, I'm, I'm talking to like today, like today, the biggest number that they can factor is under 200,000. Well, listen, listen, this is old. What that picture with that cryostat, that millikelvin, that is old. You have now, when you look at topological materials, you can do that at room temperature. Okay, so you can do that now at room temperature with topological materials. What, what, what used to be done with at millikelvin, very unstable. And these qubits, they, they're just, you can just maintain them for a very short period of time. Always, you know, trapped cold atoms and stuff like that. But when you do that at room temperature, that is it's a whole nother story. So, and we have that already, it, 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 it's working. And um, once you are there at room temperature, then you can develop it much more rapidly than when you have to deal with these millikelvin cryostats. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's a good insight, I guess, into, uh, into, some, um, into some quantum stuff. So uh you how did you go with um uh with that uh the docker stuff oh yeah look at voices voice uh i'm currently trying to just uh, get it set up um 
but yeah, we'll be playing with this as we do the interview, but we should definitely get into the interview now because it's uh, a little past 1040. Um, so hello, um, Metis, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been here through the whole news as well. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm a huge fan of the show. And so I was like, hey, I did something like moderately interesting. I should see if they'll like have me on for my uh, CISSP. CLSSP. Uh. <laughs> CLSSP. We have to make that very clear to everybody uh, who's listening. Any lawyers? Thank you. Um, but yeah, um, we would. Yeah, I mean, I, we talked uh, a, a bitch, uh, a bitch, a bunch, a bit. Sorry, I literally just like choked on my own words there. We talked a bit about the uh, the stuff that you've been working on, you've worked on in the past um, regarding machine learning. And I guess we should just get into the the whole process of, of what you've done, I guess. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit first, though? Um, sure, yeah. And then like I'll kind of go over like a synopsis of kind of the the story of it. Because I don't know, I think the story of it's actually more interesting than the actual software in the end. Um, okay, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm not like a an infosec expert. I'm like a security hobbyist. Um, I'm just a developer, uh, and um, so basically, I got um, a job from a security con, um, I was like playing CTF and they came up to me and they were like, hey, like we need, you know, developers. So um, it was a something of a startup in Florida. And like, it was a very cool situation because they, um, they were basically creating this R&D team and they were um, developing this like piece of ML, like big data software. Um, and the CISO and CTO of that company was like a mad scientist. Like he was very old school, like hack Miami type guy. And our whole team like sat in his office and we just hacked on stuff. And he would kind of come up with like crazy mad science ideas and we would just start executing it um, for whatever, you know, crazy proof of concepts he had. Uh, so, we were building uh, basically blue team AI um, and I'll go into kind of how that works, but it's basically like, you know, uh, SIM analysis, endpoint heuristic analysis, like very simple algorithms. Um, I played with TensorFlow in the past, but I'm not like a data scientist. I'm like a high school dropout. Um, but, you know, we ended up kind of figuring it out, but he had this idea for um, attacker AI um, because, you know, He's into cyberpunk, and I was into cyberpunk, so we start chatting about, like, you know, well, we have this blue team AI, we can train it against this red team AI. Um, so I, like, stayed up for two or three days and, you know, hacked together a proof of concept uh, and kind of came back to him, like, hey, I have a very loose proof of concept for um, a reinforcement learning-based sort of attacker thing. Um, so he's like, oh, that's super cool. It goes to the um, directors of the company, and they were like, "Yeah, we, re we like we really don't want our respectable cybersecurity company to have anything to fucking do with this." Um, so I had the code. I was like, "Hey, can I uh, like open source this?" Um, and the answer was kind of like, "Yes, but don't ever mention our name or anything about us." Um, 
so I got drunk one night and I tweeted at uh, Autosploit, um, their team, which um, if people here aren't familiar with that, they basically took Shodan and automated it. Um, and so I tweeted at them, I was like, hey, do you guys want to like work on AI? So I started working with them um, on essentially growing this project. Um, and then I like kind of cavalierly applied to the Hope Conference, um, which they accepted me, which is ridiculous because like it was a 400 line Python script and I didn't go to college. So, um, you know, I, I guess they thought it was cool. Uh, so I start, you know, getting like emails and calls, like, um, various journalists who see, who, who like saw the talk, um, like Reuters called me, sorry, I have a stutter by the way. Um, so I get a call from like this big infosec reporter at this big publication. And, you know, he's like, Hey, like, I want to, you know, interview you at, at hope. And, um, so I'm like, yeah, cool. So we start talking, uh, and he's like, so, you know, this is like really scary. Um, you know, and we had all these crazy ideas, like, you know, uh, like cloning itself and, you know, autonomy and things like that. And then, um, you know, at one point he goes, so you are aware that, um, you know, Virginia has eyes on this and Beijing has eyes on this. And me, like, you know, Florida small town kid was like, oh, I don't really know anyone from Virginia or Beijing. That's neat. Um, so as as it turns out, like he was, I apparently had fairly good information that like there were some people who were looking into this. Um, so I got pretty paranoid while working on this talk um, and the code for the talk. Uh, like I remember talking to my parents one day and they were like, Hey, have you been doing anything weird? Because like the same car drives by the house every day, you know, um, I don't really have any proof that I was followed or whatever, but it was, it was definitely a scary time. Cell phones in the freezer type stuff. Um, <laughs> you got the FBI. Why is the FBI here text? Uh, not quite, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like, various people like trying to like purchase this fucking 400 line python script um and uh oh also like the day that i had that call with that journalist um i i took it at like the top of our parking garage at the office and i had told like some of our people on our team that i was taking this call and as i was walking down from the call it had just rained and I fell down a fucking flight of stairs. Uh, and so I come in like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I fell down some stairs, um, you know, thinking that like I was pushed. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, so the talk was all right. Um, and then I was approached afterwards by like several people who didn't look like they should fucking be at Hope. Um, and just ask very strongly worded questions like, hey, like, where have you used this? Uh, you know, who, who, like, who do you work for? Who do you know? Tell me about, like, uh, like the autosploit team. 
Um, so that was pretty sketchy. Um, and then, I don't know, I got like kind of burnt out and I don't really do ML anymore, but I uh, have a whole bunch of thoughts on it. Um, so it's cool mm -hmm. if I kind of like detail the project or. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just go with whatever you, you know, want to discuss about it. Cause I know that there's parts of it that you might not want to. So I guess if you want to, you know, go over sort of what your the script in question is and how you developed it, um, it'd be awesome to hear. Uh, sure. Um, so like there's kind of an iterative process. Um, the first process, I kind of just wanted like a proof of concept. So what it was at first, um, I like parsed the um, CVE database um, against like um, common uh, ports and common like, you know, indicators of certain systems in an Nmap scan. Um, and, and then basically just like did like a simple deep learning um, model to basically build a predictor for like this showed up in an Nmap scan. Like these three ports were open. Um, like, are there any CVEs that might look like they fit? Um, so that was kind of neat, but it turns out like that's just like a Voln scanner and mine was a shitty Voln scanner because, you know, it's like machine learning and not super accurate. Um, but the actual project that ended up being a piece of it, um, there was a piece that kind of took a scan of like, or scans of like, say like a whole network of machines. And then it was able to, start to hone in on what it found the most interesting. So um, in reinforcement machine learning, there's a reward function. And in, in this case, for this piece of it, the reward function was interest. So as it would kind of say, hey, this port's interesting or this machine's interesting, I'm going to scan it more heavily if it got, you know, juicy data or it got a good prediction that was the reward function so that piece actually was was fairly simple like it, it was definitely not any like high-end ai but it was actually fairly effective you could um give it like a handful of like machines and it would like hone right in on anything that like had iis on it or had tomcat on it um and then from there, there was a fairly simple um, RL piece that knew um, a small handful of uh, beta split attacks. Um, and it would basically get a reward in simulation for predicting the correct attack against its target. Um, so, so those pieces combined. Um, it could solve Metasploitable uh, 2. Um, the first iteration of it, 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 it could solve it, um, God, I think in like two or three minutes. And then what? eventually, it, yeah. And, the, and then eventually it was solving it in like 40 seconds. I, I, I think the, um, <laughs> the uh, clip was that we showed at Hope. Um, admittedly, that's like the easiest. Uh, 
like capture the flag ever. So yeah, yeah it's, the, the, still that's like a, that's like a tools to speed run of like of like a, a ZTF. That's insane. Um, yeah, uh, but ultimately, like the thing that we kind of found from this is like in actual practice right now. I don't think that this is production ready. I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but I just can't see ever wanting to use something like this over an automated Python script. Yeah. Hmm. So one of the questions from the chat is, did you use any other um, ML techniques or just reinforcement learning? Um, so RL was, was just a piece of it, and it was a very small piece of it um, for kind of the honing in and then choosing attacks. The sort of bulkier ML piece was a, so first it was a linear regression um, model. So that's more like traditional predictor um, type ML. And then just to get super fancy, we like threw some TensorFlow in there. So it's like a deep learning CNN, which wasn't necessarily any more effective than the LR. But it definitely sounded cool because you know it's TensorFlow. That's that's the important part. You stop saying uh and um so much. Jeez, fucking Twitch chat. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely it's, it's hard to talk about certain things like this. Um but yeah, it's totally okay. Um so I guess yeah, um me, um 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 so I guess the let me bring up notes here real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, so I guess, what are the sort of concepts that you apply for somebody who's like, because I, I personally don't have a background in machine learning. I've, I think I installed like TensorFlow and that was as far as I got. Um, so I guess, what are some of the methodologies and, and ways that you're actually implementing these for the lay person? I guess you could, you could describe for us. Um, just I guess, what are the sort of concepts that you're using to be able to actually solve a CTF? Uh, sure. So, um, I kind of want to preface that by saying, like, my whole reason for giving the talk and things like this is to kind of put out there, like, this is fairly easy to do. Uh, I think the security community should be playing with this more, especially because there's definitely interest in um, like normal people not being able to play with this. Like machine learning is is not just for academics; it's really fun to play with. Uh, anyways, so as far as different techniques, there. Um, so for TensorFlow, there is a Python library called Keras, and Kiros kind of provides um, an abstraction of different things that you can do. So there's different algorithms for different things. So for instance, there's uh, classification is kind of a common um, uh, algorithm or a common sort of uh, application, I should say. Uh, in the case of security, this would be like this, you know, this activity uh, on our sim correlates to these potential attacks. So you're classifying something. Um, 
so that is uh, supervised, which means that you need a data set that's already been classified. Um, image recognition would also uh, fall under that. Um, and then you have um, regression, which is like a scoring system. So in this case, we used uh, regression for the interest scoring. So like this machine looks 20% interesting. This machine looks, you know, a score of 200 interesting. Um, that can be unsupervised uh, and, and based on sort of information as it trains. And then there's sort of the more interesting one is reinforcement learning, which is what's being used right now for like OpenAI to play StarCraft and to play Dota 2 and things like that. And that's sort of an iterative approach where it's given a series of decisions and over time it learns certain pathways based on the current environment are the best pathways. And that's the piece that's, in my opinion, most interesting because uh, the applications to offensive security could potentially be very useful. What I built, or what my team built, I should say, is very much so proof of concept of this. It knows as much, you know, shell, as much like MSF as, you know, your first tutorial on how to solve like a CTF, but yeah. Potentially in the future, if you can simulate an environment of machines and generate different environments as it trains, potentially you could build a uh, reinforcement learning model that would be able to say, I've kind of seen this before. I think that I need to, you know, hit this port or I need to inject into, you know, this uh such and such so that's th those are kind of the three common machine learning applications yeah okay that's really really interesting stuff it's just it, it seems like simple when you explain it like this but it it definitely is a massive field to to explore i know there's people who have been playing with it and it's it's really cool but now the one thing that i was also interested in because we actually had a discussion about this the other day in in chat um, was about um, defensive machine learning because we, we had talked about different approaches that you'd have to take, but also I have no idea about machine learning concepts really as a whole. So um, I was only able to offer so much, but I guess do you want to get into a little bit about the defensive side of things? I mean, it seems like the way that you are classifying attacks and, and adapting to them is is you can kind of see how it would play out, but I I, I don't know the specifics and I wanted to kind of go over that. Yeah, absolutely. So currently in kind of the blue team sim space, there's a handful of uh, offerings out there for ML. Um, Splunk offers one, QRadar offers a handful of things and so on. So currently uh, the common one that you see, QRadar definitely has this, and I believe Splunk does too, is uh, user behavior analytics. So that's 
classification and clustering. So based on a user's uh, activity, you can kind of cluster them into like, uh, okay, this person's like an office worker. They probably aren't using SSH and they're probably not here at five in the morning. Um, and ju just that piece they found to be fairly effective in augmenting uh, your SIM traffic analysis uh, because your developer might be up at four in the morning on SSH, but your you know CTO might not be. So, so that, that's a common use case right now. Um, traffic analysis is a fairly common or an emerging use case. Um, I haven't heard of anyone that's doing it perfectly, but there's been a lot of academic research into basically taking a PCAP or taking like a stream and performing classification on the stream as it comes in. Um, and the, the 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 interesting thing about this is that if you can apply that to like a time series, as in you can look back three days and find that you know this IP made an outbound connection and now they're making an inbound connection, which we currently in most sim tech in in most sim like correlation engines, this is done like fairly manually, fairly manually, um, but. In this case, it would potentially make a model of your environment, like what looks like good, what looks like bad, based on your specific environment, and perform analysis from there. Uh, the The plus side of this is that if you're running it through a fairly simple um, algorithm through like a Spark cluster or something, it's it's very fast. You can just stream um, everything through it. No, that's really, really cool, though, to be able to have some sort of different classifications and then being able to sort of tweak it in a way. Because as you're saying, there's like use cases for stuff where you don't want to have like a red alert on something if it's somebody doing something that's like out of band or not normal. Um, that's a really interesting use case for it, for sure. Um, so some kind of uh, in inter interesting applications that people have done um, as far as research, uh, Endgame has a product, well, an open source research thing called the Malware Gym. And hmm. what the Malware Gym is, is it uses uh, a tool called OpenAI Gym, which is a reinforcement platform. It provides an environment. So, like, if you've seen RL playing like Atari games, that's Gym. But they basically built. Uh, reinforcement learning to train against um, some static analysis um, antivirus software to modify itself while still like remaining uh, active and redeploy. And it was able to learn. I think that there's paper on it. I don't have the exact uh, uh, stuff in front of me, but like, it, it was able to like fool the antivirus fairly well uh, o o o over time, and they've imported um, like I think um, a lot of different samples in there. So it's kind of interesting. You can play with it as open source. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. I was where people were asking about what data sets that you've used to train on like your your various projects on. So that's a really cool source to uh, look into. Are there any other data sources that people would be able to play with besides that? Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of PCAPs out there and I forget the name. Um, I'm searching it real quick. Uh, oh, well, it's on... Um, it's it's on Google if you search for it, but there's a giant like 10 gig PCAP and all of them are um, categorized and they're actual attacks. Unfortunately, it was recorded like I think 10 years ago or so, but they're actual attacks and you can train ML on it um, to predict what these different attacks were. Um, oh. There's a... There's a, a similar data set that came out a couple years ago from the University of New Brunswick, I believe. You have to like email someone to get it, but it's this giant um, similar sort of PCAP where you, you can train. Uh, Splunk has also released a like 100 gig um, like flow log or ho however Splunk stores those things. Which is similar, and all of that's open source, and you can play with it. That's really, there, really cool. There's not much for, for attacker stuff. Um, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, but like CVEs are free. Um, you can like, you know, churn that into like a reasonable data set. Um, like MSF itself, like with the the scoring and the indicators and things like that like you can build your own fairly easily which is what we did um i ended up being asked to not release that data set um but yeah easy enough to do it at home so like along that tangent do you like do you see like the average pen testers sort of starting to fall into this like just pattern of doing machine learning and stuff for their daily tasks rather than just like doing their manual testing, just throw some machine learning bot at it or something, just walk away for a little bit or what's going on with that? I don't think it's quite there yet. There's definitely tasks today that you can automate, but I still feel like you can automate things um, in a much more predictable and accurate fashion with if statements right now. Sure. Um, as far as like target um, identification and like profiling and things like that, th there there's definitely some potential use cases there. But training models is hard. Uh, corralling giant data sets is hard, and it's almost too unpredictable to be relied upon. Yeah, because I know there was a. Uh, challenge out there that trying to like uh, was the DARPA challenge I don't remember um, where they got a bunch of universities together to try and do a bunch of uh, like attack machines with just machine learning um, and the winners got a huge huge grant but I'm I don't know how accurate it would be I'm not like educated in machine learning nearly at all though but just like data sets out there like that you'd have to create, I feel like it would have to be very, very diverse if it would be useful in any form or fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and the more specific you get, uh, the worse your predictions are going to be mm-hmm. on actual data. It's called uh, overfitting. Um, and th- that challenge, by the way, I think it was called the uh, Thousand Needles Challenge. Um, and yeah, they were able to like do it fairly accurately and very quickly. Dang. Do you think like you'd be able to create like a not necessarily you in general, but like a general you, you know, um, use open kind of like hack me sites like hack the box to generate a functioning like out in the wild machine learning kind of attack um, just the script? I'm not sure because with with CTF specifically, you're dealing with a lot of things that you don't really see you're dealing with things that only have one answer or, yeah. you know, everything has an answer too. Um, uh, from what I've seen, like for building these things, I imagine just generating environments with like, you know, puppet or Terraform are, is probably a more effective approach j- j- just to get a more like realistic um, sort of environment. For sure. Because yeah, that's something I've noticed with uh, Hack the Box. Because I'm currently taking my uh, OSCP, or not? Well, I'm doing the labs for it rather, and it's much more realistic than Hack the Box and as such. Because Hack the Box kind of tunnel visions on this very specific vulnerability, where 90% of vulnerabilities are going to be like default credentials or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other interesting thing about CTFs, uh, and the company I was at, I think discussed doing this, but didn't do this. But there were companies that probably have done this, is we've thrown CTFs like at like several B-sides and things like that. And they were always considering collecting all the traffic and using that for machine learning models. Ooh. Um, so uh, one of the questions from the chat is about um, looking into other applications like OCR, speech recognition, and filters and tools to poison ML. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely not an expert on this, but there's a lot of good research, especially into image recognition, where I think there's an exploit out there, a quote unquote exploit, where you can essentially fool image recognition with like a single pixel placed in the right place. And, and that all has to do with, um, so the way image recognition typically works is it actually works oddly similar to um, a human eye, where it scans small areas first and then grows into larger patterns. So by placing the right thing in the right place, it'll disrupt those patterns. So you're not seeing a dog anymore. You're seeing something that it doesn't understand. one kind of interesting thing I did want to bring up, and I'll, I'll post the link. There, there's an archive paper that came out, I think, last year, maybe two years ago. I just posted it in chat. But what someone wrote about was that you can potentially extract things from a trained deep learning model. So say you have a service out there that does some kind of prediction, some kind of search stuff they found that you can actually pull out like pii i I think in this case it's actually uh social security numbers 
from a trained model by more or less cleverly injecting things like partial information that it tries to correct and you end up getting a full social or a full like person's name that's real interesting that's really cool it's terrifying but it's really cool there's a uh interesting ml security talk i'll see if i can find it and post it in the chat notes but they've actually solved uh that problem by changing how they train um the uh models specifically how it adjusts and kind of stores uh like each e each iteration um without too much of a reduction in accuracy so that's that's solved i don't know if people are actually using the solution because it requires changing your whole algorithm. But yeah, it is essentially a side channel attack. Hmm. Um, one other potential use case that I kind of wanted to bring up, um, and I'm, I'm sure like three letter agencies have worked on this. Um, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine is using ML for stellimetry. So what stellimetry is, and I'm not an expert on it, but it's essentially like speech pattern analysis. So if you type a certain way, you'll typically throw off certain patterns. Oh, what's up, Mutterflow? Um, and uh, so... What you can do with this, right, is you can de-anonymize someone's posts. So say you are at, like, a company. You have, you know, five years of person's emails and Slack conversations. Suddenly, someone's posting, you know, bad Glassdoor reviews. You could potentially build a stellimetry model off of someone's emails and get a score of this is definitely that asshole Steve posting on Glassdoor, which is a, a scary application. Yeah, it reminds me of how um, certain um, publications will take transcripts from people and then retype them uh, in their own voice for like uh, sensitive information and leaks and whatnot for just that reason, yeah. I know Facebook did something similar with telemetry and stuff. Where it's like it can gauge your personality and whatnot just off of the like a few I think it was like under fifty likes or something, it can determine a whole bunch of things about you. Really interesting stuff. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. also how they tried to find Satoshi by looking at all the early Bitcoin papers, oh, all yeah. the articles, blog posts. Um, I think you know most of them ended up with Nick Sabatso or whatever his name is, but um, he denies it. <laughs> Pretty sure it's actually John McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely John McAfee. That was an accident, a very profound experience. Oh Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never a bad moment for the John McAfee soundboard. Oh Christ. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Uh so I guess, like, what's the what's the plan now? What's the uh, like in for your for your future machine learning endeavors? Like, where do you want to where where do you expect it to be? Like this sort of next year. 
Um, so I'm I'm personally out of it. Um, I'm I'm not really interested in pursuing ML uh, as a hobby or professionally. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, hype around it. There's a lot of like misinformation, and historically, in the past, when there's been um, hype around ML, uh, it's been followed by a lot of like mistrust in ML because it hasn't been able to produce the miraculous results that people are expecting. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think that we're making a lot of applications out of it. It, it just, um, it, it's it, it's not something that I really want to be involved with right now. Um, but as far as like applications for technology, um, I think that we're going to, um, on kind of the blue team side of things, I, 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 th I think that we're going to be able to do attribution a lot easier. Um, I, I think that we're going to be able to solve kind of the heuristics problems and, you know, ge generate like what looks like good fairly quickly. Um, on the sort of attacker side, um, I th I would like to see some proof of concepts around. Um, oh, so there's kind of a technique called um, sentiment analysis, which is, in essence, you're like scraping a Twitter feed of all the comments about X company, and you can kind of gauge a sentiment or a subgroup's sentiment. Um, so this is used a lot in like, you know, uh, tactical marketing, lots of buzzwords and things like that. But it's it's a fairly solved problem as far as I know. But I'd like to see it in reverse. So what are the hashtags that you can use to, uh, you know, take down an individual? What are the things that you can use to get a certain group to dislike a certain other group and th and things like that? I I think that there's probably a lot of research into this already being done, but I'd like to see it open sourced. Um, and then more like smart automation, um, it, target detection, things like that. Uh, I, I think it's going to be um, a lot more common. Um, hmm, what else? I have like a list of things that I was... There's possible applications in um, using uh, adversarial ML. Um, this is like adversarial as in like training against another ML, not like adversary attacks. Uh, but it, it's possible right now to in, uh, to create encodings out of a data set. So like that's how they generate like like the like new Pokemon, like, oh, there's an ML uh, algorithm that can like generate a new Pokemon. That's typically uh, an autoencoder. But I think that there's some potential applications around sending large amounts of data by only sending part of it and a compiled um, autoencoder. Uh, and I think that you can use that for um, things like cryptography or uh, steganography as well. 
that's pretty crazy there's there's a lot of applications i think uh that that will probably pop up in the future as like derivatives of this as well so it'll be good um fbi you have a question uh yeah so this was asked by someone in general chat green leopard 590 uh they they asked if if you're aware of anyone using uh, machine learning for malware generation or antivirus evasion techniques, um, well, I uh, I had just mentioned um, Endgame's gym. I, that's not productionized. I don't I don't think anyone's using that like to generate actual malware. But I could be wrong. Um, I'll post that link in chat. As far as I know, that's the only like public research. But I'm definitely not an expert on this, so there's probably a lot being done for generating uh, evasive uh, signatures and things like that. That's awesome. Yeah, this like there's so much to explore in this space, and it's it's definitely really cool just to hear some of the practical examples of this. Um, I guess if anybody is trying to get into this. Um, I guess where do you where would you say that they would start in terms of you know building their their own models and, and training data sets things like that? So it's actually like really easy. Um, there is a few YouTubers out there. He's he's kind of energetic, but Siraj Raval has some very good uh, in, introductory material uh, on the subject that can get you like making cool things very quickly. Um, there's a handful of Coursera courses. Um, Andrew NG, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. I'm, I'm sorry. But his his course is incredible. Um, Francois Chalet is the individual that developed Kiros, and he wrote like the best introductory book to Kiros, which again will get you like building actual applications within an hour. And you know, I would definitely like to see more people playing with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we definitely want to uh, explore this sort of space more um, and have some more people come on in the future too to discuss machine learning as well. So thanks for definitely uh, for coming on and, and, and enlightening us about this kind of thing. Um, I guess, do you want to say a little bit more about or anything more about what you do now um, and how you might apply these sort of skills to um, DevOps, DevSecOps, things like that? Um, you know, from what I've seen, I don't know if I would really want to, like, apply, like, ML to a sim and rely on it in prod. Um, but I, I think there are definitely things out there, like, products out there that can kind of do um, augmented scoring. So your, like, security ops people can see something and say, hey, this looks pretty bad, but the machine only gave it a 9%. Like, maybe I should look at this closer. Or, yeah. you know, this looks benign. I've been looking at alerts all day, but it has a 99%. Like, that, you know, that augmentation, while I don't think we're at a place where we can rely on it, is potentially a useful tool. Unfortunately, it's fucking expensive. <laughs> Now, why is something like this so expensive? Uh, because um, CISSPs 
like to throw around that they have AI. Uh, sim are ridiculously expensive right now. Um, and so people in security who can spend their company's money spend it. And there hasn't been a ton of solid open source software out there for um, like aggregating security information or, you know, performing analysis on it. Yeah, security glitter. I like that. <laughs> Not cheap at all. Yeah. That's awesome. So I guess, uh, yeah, does anybody have any more questions for uh, Metis before we get going and wrap it up? Anyone in the chat? Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess um, all the resources that you shared, I definitely want to put into our show notes because you, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, <laughs> the very last thing, ancient AI. Did we talk about the Discord vuln with the U the URI? No, we didn't. Does anybody want to touch on that real quick before we go? Oh shit, which one? URIs are uh, bad. Calc calculator one. <laughs> Uh, I, don't think I mean, it comes down to you can execute your eyes if someone clicks a link in Discord or the URI in Discord. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, playing with that, that like a long time ago. Yeah. It it's been out since. Like, Black Hat? It's been a ton out, actually. I think it like was first released in like August or something of 2018. And like they've just been trying to patch it and it's just been new versions coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, actually, I think we talked to the person who found it originally and reported it in August when it happened, and it's just still a thing. Just yeah. Because they said it was like a social engineering exploit, so like it's not actually something that's on the top of their priority list to to fix or something. Oh, okay. Which I'm like, okay, that's... <laughs> I don't agree, but okay. <laughs> Sorry, oh, we can't fix our users. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I think this question might be, might be for you, uh, Medis, uh, from Dash. One hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Duck. That is a incredible question. I I think we're trying to solve that still um, in, in the security community. <laughs> um, you know, programming is hard, and machines are scary. And horses are an unsolved problem right now in AI. I'm sorry. Very loaded question there. <laughs> That's very woke. Very woke. Um, oh yeah. No, it's wise in hundred years. <laughs> he has spoken. Help, computer. So uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys, for coming on and talking to us. We've had a lot of. I've been. I've learned a lot, and I'm, I want to play with some of the stuff that you've uh, you've shared with us. Um, so definitely want to thank you and yeah, thanks everybody for coming on, chatting with us and asking questions and hanging out and we'll be back next week. Um, we're still trying to figure out our schedule. We had to move some people around, but we'll get out our new schedule um, for the rest of the month very soon. So with that, uh, does anybody have any last words before we go? Uh, Dan's not here, so shut up and get a lawyer on behalf of Dan. 
<laughs> yes. Hack the AI. Hack the planet. Hack, Hack the Skynet. Hack the planet. Oh Christ! Just don't hack the election. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, see you guys. Um,